Well, let's go ahead and pray as we get started. Father, we thank you for the opportunities you've given this last week to speak to people, and even though maybe it's not to a full uh, spiritual conversation yet, at least some interaction, and uh, thank you for those that happened at the sale yesterday. Pray for um, those seeds um, that were scattered or those conversations that happened, uh, that you would bless them. Uh, Pray for Julie's uh, neighbor. Um, just thank you for the opportunity she's had, and um, even to find out she's a professing Christian, pray that there would be wisdom and how to navigate that and talk um, and follow up with that, uh, that, that, that conversation. Um, Lord, I pray for um, uh, just all of our neighbors that were around. Um, help us to be able to proclaim the truth. Help us to be able to speak what is good and helpful, and, um, and uh, pray that you would use that uh, for your sake, uh, for your name's sake, for your glory. Lord, we pray as we enter our topic talking about um, your scriptures, how we, how we know you at all, um, really, um, in a lot of ways, how we know anything beyond what your creation tells us, and um, pray that you would just bless the time, that you would help us, uh, help us to listen, help us to understand, um, and uh, yeah, I just pray for good conversation. We ask these things in your name, amen. Okay, so yeah, we are starting a new topic, and um Basically, where we're headed with this um, is we want to just spend some time um, of how to read the scriptures better. Uh, so, how do you sit down uh, in? How do you sit down um, for even something like morning devotions? Maybe you don't even have all that long. So, how do you how do you get the most out of that time? Uh, and uh, we want to talk a little bit about that. So that's kind of where we're headed. But before we get there, we want to talk a little bit about some foundational issues. Um, that will frame and help us think about how to read the scriptures. So uh, these things are foundational, but they're, they're also aimed at helping us understand how do we read the scriptures better. So th- we're going through them for, for that purpose. So c- kind of the way it's going to work the next um, couple weeks is we're going to talk about first the production of scripture, which is today. So a lot of that will be review, but it's good review. It's good to refresh uh, thinking about how is scripture produced and how does that influence even how we read it. Um, and then probably next week we'll get into the recognition of the scriptures, which would talk about canon. Uh, well, which books are we supposed to be reading as scripture? Uh, and then uh, the week after that, we'll talk about the preservation of scripture. Okay, we might have the list of the books we're supposed to be reading as scripture, but then um, how, how do we know that today, 2000 plus, uh, or in some cases 3,500 years later, um, how do we know that we, uh, what we have in our hands is a, a faithful representation of the Word of God, right? So um, that's kind of where we're headed, and then after that, we'll get into a whole bunch of stuff and practice of how do we read the Scriptures. So it'll be interactive. We'll, we'll read the Scriptures together. We'll work through it together, um, and uh, so that's what, but this morning, we're talking about the production of Scripture. Like, when we think about the production of Scripture, we're thinking about, all right, when it was written, what was going on? Um, and so there's a couple dimensions to that, and we want to think about that a little bit. So let's start with a um, passage you're all familiar with, and we keep going back to because it is this foundational passage for thinking about this. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3, uh, 14 through 17. Someone go ahead and read that when, when you get there. So 2 Timothy 3, uh, 14 through 16. Okay, so uh, we want to think about these verses from the aspect of production of the scriptures. Um, Now, uh, on verse 16, so Eden's translation has inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God. What do some of your other versions read? What's that? Okay, yeah, breathes from God. Uh, I've got, I think ESV has breathed out by God. Um, Any others? Those are probably the basic options, inspired by God or breathed out by God. Any others? Okay, so um, let's focus on that for a minute. Um, That is uh, one of the key 
things that we are looking at when we're talking about the production of scriptures. Obviously, based on that, there's a, there's a lot that could be said, but when we think about the production of scripture, uh, anything that is rightfully called scripture, now Paul, at this point, he's primarily thinking of the Old Testament scriptures because that's what he's got, right? He's producing scripture, but um, really it's a categorical statement, too, of anything that's rightfully called scripture is uh, breathed out by God. The Greek word is theonoustos, which um, noustos is like um, breathed, right, or breath, or uh, really, if you take the word by itself, it's spirit, right? But um, it's, it's, uh, it's really the idea of God exhaling, God breathed. So God breathed is uh, a really good translation of that, right? It's God breathing out, like that's what you're supposed to think of when you hear that statement, okay? Now, what is God breathed? All scripture. So anything that is rightfully called scripture is God breathed. What does that mean? Let's think about that a little bit. What is that saying? All scripture is God breathed. Okay, life to it. Um, Potentially, yes. I mean, we know that to be true, that, 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 that there's power in the scriptures. But even just thinking about what does it mean to say that, okay, the, the original documents that whoever is writing, what does it mean for them to, be, to say that they are God-breathed? Okay, um, carries the essence of God, Marianne? Yeah, it's... it's Good. Yeah, he's, he's the originator of it. He's the source of it, right? Uh, really what we're saying is these scriptures, um, if, what, like imagine this situation, right? Uh, imagine you're Moses on top of Mount Sinai or something like that, sometime when God appears in the Old Testament scriptures. So he appears in some form and he speaks. Uh, what are the words that he is speaking? They are what? God breathed words, right? Now, God doesn't have a, he's spirit, right? So he doesn't have a body. He doesn't have vocal cords. No wind is passing over any uh, vocal cords when that happens, but it's illustrating, it's giving us a word picture of thinking, if you're standing right in front of God and he's speaking to you, right? That is, those are God breathed words, right? God is speaking, right? So at the very, very basic level, uh, uh, we can say that scripture, it's no different if we're looking at scripture or if we're standing in front of God, each word that is coming is equally God-breathed. It is originated with him. So there's no difference, um, at least if, if what Paul is asserting here, between the scriptures, the written scriptures, the words on the page, um, and what, if you were standing there and you heard God literally speaking to you, which did happen, right? Um, equally, those words are God-breathed. Uh, they are sourced in him. Um, now, notice uh, what, what is God-breathed here. It, the, we're not even talking about the writers. Like, the writers are not in this verse. Did you notice that? Uh, sometimes we think about the writers being inspired. Well, there's a tr sort of a truth to that, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But really, what we're focusing on here is the product, the end product, so when we talk about the production of Scripture, which is what we're doing today, we see that the end product um, is uh, God is happy um, to say, through his apostle Paul in this case, God is happy to say those words on the page, or if you heard them from me audibly, they're mine. They're God-breathed. Um, there's no gap between uh, what the words on the page and what God's intention or origin or source of those words. Uh, what are the implications of that? Yeah, it has to be true, right? God doesn't lie. He is truth embodied. So uh, the, uh, the, 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 the scripture cannot err, right? It has to be true in what it asserts. Now, here's the thing, right? Are there lies recorded in scripture? Yeah, there are lies recorded in Scripture, but the Scripture is not lying when it records a lie, right? It's like saying, hey, so-and-so said this, and that was a lie, right? Which is true. So you gotta, you got to make sure you understand what it means to say that um, all Scripture is true. 
it's asserting different things through different genres, through different styles, through all this different stuff. Um, so you got to understand what is God asserting through his human authors in that. But the product is God breathed, so it's got to be true. What else? What other implications might we say? Yeah, let's. Is that true? It's all, that's a good question. So let's ask that question. What do you think I say? Is it all? Is scripture is equally God breathed? Do we agree on that? Because it says that, yeah. right? Does that mean that all scripture is of equal importance? Well, let's start on a more basic question. Does it mean that all scripture is important? Yeah, yeah it does mean that all scripture is important because God is speaking. Is all scripture of equal importance? I would say that the gospel has to be the most important. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a building aspect to it, um, but there's even this reality of the gospel. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about, a prioritization of doctrine, right? Uh, the gospel is of first importance. So even as we think about what Scripture asserts, uh, it's not saying that no Scripture is unimportant. That's not what we're saying, but we're just saying that there are some things that are more important than others to communicate. So if I'm communicating uh, with someone, the scriptures, right? What are the first things I want to communicate? I want to give them the basic gospel message, which is rooted in scripture, uh, but um, because of, of um, salvation is at stake, right? So um, all of it is important. It's not all equally important, um, which is uh, kind of something interesting to think about. Okay, what else? What else could we say about the fact that the scriptures, the product, the end result, we're not talking about the writers at this point, but the end product, what are the implications? Okay. Yeah, so it's not untrue. Okay, what else? Okay, yeah. Well, and what about, it's complete, um, it's complete in the sense that God is speaking, like he's speaking to different people through time, right? So if you think about, like, let's say Moses just pens, or the, the, you know, Deuteronomy gets finished, and there's a lot of scripture yet to come, right? There's a lot more that's coming down the pipe. What, but uh, one of the things we say about scripture is it's sufficient. God said what was sufficient for the time, right? So for the audience at the time that he's speaking to, uh, that was sufficient knowledge for them. The reality is, is that God reveals himself through time, across time, and that's uh, actually in a key thing to remember when we interpret the scriptures. Um, but it is, at any given time, uh, what God has given through the scriptures is complete in the sense that it's what we need. It's sufficient to live in the way that God wants us to live, independence on him. So sufficiency would be one of those things. Uh, what else? What is the implication of saying that the end result, the product of scripture, is God-breathed? Certainly it's true. Certainly it's all of these things we've been saying. What else? Yeah, yeah, sufficiency, and you do see that here, right? You even see it in the text where all Scripture is breathed out by God unprofitable. So be, one of the things you could immediately say is because the Scripture is breathed out, it's profitable. It does stuff. It, um, God is our creator. He knows what we need to live under him in the proper way. Man is designed, even from the beginning, even before sin, to live under God's um, word, God's revelation. And so it's profitable for all these things, teaching, Reprove, correction, training, and righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So you see that sufficiency aspect there. What about authoritative? Oh, sorry, Mike, I cut you off. Good. Yep. Yep. So God communicates wisdom for the purpose of salvation. Uh, through the scriptures, right? And salvation is, uh, you can view it in narrow sense, right? Or you can view it in the sense of just justification, but salvation is broader than that. You um, have been saved if you're in Christ. You are being saved if you're in Christ. You will be saved if you're in Christ, right? Salvation is a, is a big old package deal. Uh, authoritative, right? 
if God, you see the people in Scripture, and when God manifests himself to people, um, and he's speaking to them, he's breathing out words, uh, people are scared, generally, um, and they realize this is authoritative. Uh, it's, it's, it's authoritative. This is the creator speaking. He has complete claim on me, right? He, here is my creator. He is awesome and great, and he has complete claim on me. Uh, it has authority. And so if we think about, well, no matter if God was, was like manifesting himself and audibly speaking, or whether you think about reading the scriptures, each are equally breathed out, so each are equally authoritative. Uh, they command you. Um, you don't get to, you don't get to, it'd be, imagine someone standing before God speaking audibly and saying, well, you know, I don't really like what you just said there, and I don't really think that's accurate, right? Um, you don't have the say. You don't have the say because um, you're not the creator. God is the creator. God is God, and you are not. And so when we think about how God endorses his word, the product, the end result of anything that can be called scripture as being breathed out by him, like you can imagine like he spoke something it's, and those words manifested on the page, like he's happy to endorse the scriptures that way. So they're authoritative. You don't get to judge the scriptures. The scriptures get to judge you. Uh, it's not how the Bible is relevant to you. It's how you are relevant to the Bible um, because they're God breathed. They have authority. They command you. They command me. They command all of us. Um, you know, another to, to state it in terms of like Isaiah 40, right? Um, people are like grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever, right? And um, so this is going to outlast us. It has outlasted a lot of other people, um, and it is authoritative. It speaks to us. It commands us, okay? Yes, Julie. Yeah, so some of that is going to come over the next couple of weeks as we talk about the process, right? Because what we're just starting with now is like we're, we're putting ourselves in the shoes of the biblical authors, right? And we're saying there's a production process that happens when Paul is writing, when Moses is writing, when whoever is writing. There's a production process that happened. So when that production process happened, God is uh, working, and we're going to talk about the human element here in a second— but he is working through that process to endorse whatever gets written as his scripture. Now, that's what happened. Uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about, well, okay, how does it get recognized as scripture, which is different from it being produced as scripture? And then, okay, well, how does it get preserved as scripture, like copies and stuff like that? And a lot of that stuff, at least having a basic knowledge of how things happen, will help answer some of those questions, right? Um, but uh, there's a, um, here, here's what, one of the things I go back to, like, there are, um, there have been times in my life, um, and still I run through the sequence in my mind often enough, right, where I think about, well, let's just start with not the scriptures, but let's just start with the creation. The creation declares the glory of God, and scripture also affirms that, right? And it proclaims who he is. It proclaims that God exists and he has eternal power and divine nature. We know that that's true. So the God who created everything um, and created you and me and created us to be communicators, he can certainly communicate. And he has a power to be able to communicate what he wants to communicate with us. So that's even at a basic level some of those things, 
right? Um, now you talk about, you know, um, so there's the aspect of some of the things the professors are saying or whatever we're gonna address in the next couple weeks, but even at a most basic level of just thinking, well, can God communicate successfully with people throughout all time? Of course he can, because we can see his power manifested in the creation. And that's a kind of a launching point um, to even, uh, uh, to, to boost confidence of, well, can God communicate through writing? Yes, of course he can. Has he? Uh, and then we can run through all of the tests and evidences of the scriptures, right? And we can say, well, yeah, it claims to be scripture, so that's either true or false. Uh, does it prove itself to be scripture? Yeah, it does. Um, and you kind of work along that line of reasoning. So, um, and there's, uh, so what I'm trying to give you is a general arc, and then as we go through the next couple weeks, we'll handle hopefully some more of the detail stuff. And there's been plenty written. Like, what's funny about like the professors, right? That, um, or the PhDs or the whoever's that are making those claims, they often elevate their own reason and reconstruction above like, hey, uh, you weren't actually there, so that's one thing. Um, it's not that they're not necessarily bringing some valid points, uh, but uh, it's not like people haven't addressed those too. Um, so maybe I, haven't, maybe I haven't studied all of the arguments and all of that, but it's not like there haven't been people that haven't uh, addressed those things not just now, but in the past centuries as well, right? And there's nothing new under the sun in that sense. So um, anyway. Okay, uh, let's talk about the human side of it. Um, so go to Second Peter. So the two kind of big texts on um, the production of Scripture. So Second Timothy 3, 14 through 17 just talks about the end product. It's just the end product doesn't talk about how that happened. It just talks about here's the end product. And in a sense, that's all you need, right? Here's the end product. Um, but uh, the scripture does give us indications of the process. So Second Peter is, he's addressing people that are uh, enduring false teaching of a variety of sorts. He knows he's going to die. So he's trying to leave them with things that are going to carry them for the long haul. Um, so in that context, um, and probably against some of what the false teachers um, are speaking, um, uh, we get Second uh, Peter 1, and he start, starting in verse 16, he talks about, hey, we didn't follow cleverly devised myths. How do, um, and he backs it up with the transfiguration. We saw Christ's glory his end-time glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. So what we're proclaiming about his kingdom, his coming, that's not a myth, okay? But then he moves on, and this for us, in verse 19, um, and he says, uh, well, what he says, someone go ahead and read um, 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21. So uh, what is he speaking of? Is he speaking of all of Scripture? Or is he just speaking of the, you know, kind of prediction parts of Scripture? It's hard to tell um, because the situation he's addressing is about Christ's second coming, which is like future stuff. But at the very least, um, he is talking about portions of Scripture that are prophetic. Um, and really, if we think about prophecy not just as um, proclaiming the future, which is, if you look in the Old Testament, it's like they're not so much talking about the future, they are, but they talk about like their current situation and they're speaking God's word for their time. So they're doing both. Really, prophecy is just speaking for God. So it doesn't matter whether the content is future-oriented or present-oriented. Um, prophecy is just speaking for God. So what do we see here is a, a picture, a glimpse into the um, production process of Scripture. 
uh, and we see how the human element relates to this. So how does, um, so you got a prophet, you got someone who's speaking for God, this prophet writes, and he writes scripture, uh, but how did that happen according, or at least the glimpse, the basics of how did that happen um, in, in these verses? Yeah, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Um, so, uh, they, but notice what it says, right? Men spoke from God. So God is the source. Men are writing. Men are speaking. And the Spirit is there carrying them along. What does that mean and what does that look like? Well, it actually... According to what we see in the scriptures, it looks like a lot of different things, but in such a way that the that 2 Timothy 3.16 is true, right? The Spirit is moving these men. Men are actually writing the scriptures. They're actually writing the words on the page, uh, but they're speaking from God, and the Holy Spirit is carrying them along uh, to produce what's produced, such that the end result is um, God-breathed. So men are involved in this. So a lot of people, going back to the professor's things, will say, they'll object on an, um, a philosophical ground. Well, because people are involved, it has to have errors because people err, right? What From these verses, how would we, even just these two passages, how would we give a basic answer to that? Good. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like the person's just like, hey, I think I'm going to try to write something called scripture today. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit working and moving. It's God moving that individual to write the scripture, right? Uh, and we would also say that God is happy, uh, and not just from 2 Timothy 3.16. We can see this throughout the scriptures. God is happy to say, let's just even say Jesus. Jesus, who is God incarnate, is happy to say, uh, this is scripture. This is what God said. Yes, humans, there's no denial that humans produced it, and that's part of the point, is to say, yeah, humans did produce it, but they did so uh, not based on their own will, but based on God's will. God can, uh, is, uh, God is not never thwarted by his creation, Right? If God wants to write something and he wants to communicate through fallible people, he can do that infallibly, right? God can, or to use, you know, uh, something you've probably heard before, God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick, right? It's not, it's not a problem for him, right? Because he's the creator. He has that level of power and ability without, at the same time, uh, violating uh, the real human involvement in the production of scriptures, um, so one, one thing we can say, and we're going to delve into this a little bit more here in a second, is that scripture is equally the word of God and the word of man. What I mean by that, maybe I'll say it a different way, that it is, uh, there are two authors of scripture and yet they are totally and 100% in agreement that, um, God wrote something, he has an intention and then he works through the human author to represent that intention. So the human author's intention in writing is exactly God's intention. They're equal. Uh, they work together because of this process that we see, that God is happy to endorse the end result of Scripture. Uh, the Holy Spirit works at moving each individual human along to write, um, to write the Scripture, such that the result is equally, uh, or at least we can equally say that this is, this is something that man produced, and, and even more importantly, it gives it all its authority that God produced, right? Both are true. Yeah. So um, what's interesting is going back to the question that Julie asked, which is if, you, if you're trying to answer someone who doesn't believe, yeah. that's a really difficult thing because you have, you know, modern day, more modern, which is you have created 
Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of that is, as a, as a believer, we believe that these things are true, yes? So we never, never surrender that authority. You never, in a, that sort of encounter with someone, what's the true state of affairs? The true state of affairs in the universe is that this is Scripture. So never, never do something, or it's not, I would say it's not helpful to do something like, well, let's try to argue from neutral principles. Because the world is God's. You can't, you can't argue from neutral principles because the world is God's. So it's kind, of, it's kind of like someone steals a police officer's uniform and, and his cop car and like pulls a police officer over and says, Mr., you're speeding. It's like that's a backwards world, right? Um, it, who has the authority? The, the police officer does, right? The, the word of God does. We do because we live in accordance with God's um, God's world. So never surrender that authority um, in the first part. Like always never try to go neutral. It's like, well, let's suppose it's not, or let's suppose this, or let's suppose, never do that, right? It is God's word and speak as such because we live in God's world. Um, now, when you're addressing someone, right, who, who has these um, difficulties, right, some of this, again, you can, you can go through some of the evidences and, and, and such, but even from a basic argument, it's like, well, let's just start with this. Does the Bible claim to be God's word? Yes, it does. So either that's true or false, right? Either that's true or false. Same with the other writings that are claiming to be scripture out there. Either that's true or false. So then um, let's, um, let's then examine and see, uh, are there, uh, does, the, does scripture prove to be God's word? And then you can go through, there's mo- and I, we're not going to get into this right this moment, but there are things you can go through to say, all right, do we, uh, does this prove to be God's word? Does it show itself to be? Um, now, and then you examine the histor- a lot of the historical process and things that, like, let's, let's just take the Quran, right? So you take the Quran and you start discussing the Quran. Well, it claims to be from God and, and all of this sort of stuff. And yet, actually, when you look at a lot of the history of how it was produced, there is very, very, very clear evidence that uh, there's redaction. People are like, at one point it said something different, and then all the copies were burned, and then we make this authoritative copy later on. So there's plenty of evidence like man has tampered with it, whereas you think about, well, if this is God's word, he's going to preserve it, isn't he? And in fact, that's what you see. That's one among many uh, you know, kind of mutually reinforcing things we would say, right? And so uh, that's just one, one aspect of it. So uh, again, we're going to talk more about that process, but for us, for right now, what are we, ter- what are we aiming at? We're aiming at thinking about, as Christians, we want to read this. We, uh, we, we believe this as scripture, and we'll talk a little bit more about, um, uh, you know, those, those the prophecies, those evidences, that preservation. But if we want to read the scripture, we also have to know how is it produced? And that's why we're thinking about this. How are these things produced so that we can read it, okay? So we've got the uh, God-breathed element, and we've got the human element, which means that Scripture is a product of human and divine authorship. Human and divine authorship. There's dual authorship of Scripture. They are completely in agreement. So God has an intent in communicating with uh, people through the Scriptures, and that gets represented through the human author's intent in the words of scriptures. And you can see this. You can see this. Um, let's look at uh, Matthew 19, just as a kind of an example. And there are multiple places you can see this um, as you work through um, multiple writings. Um, but here's just one example of it, Matthew 19. Uh, someone go ahead and read Matthew 19, 3 through 5. Okay, now, obviously, the primary intent of this passage is, you know, 
Jesus is talking with the Pharisees about divorce. However, what we want to focus on is that Jesus quotes scripture here. So we're talking about Jesus' view of scripture, and we see one, one glimpse and aspect of that here. Who does Jesus say spoke the quote that he quotes? The creator. The creator spoke the quote that Jesus quotes. Now, that is quoted from Genesis 2, um, 24. Who wrote Genesis? Yeah, God through Moses, right? But, like, when you go to Genesis 2, 24, um, it says this. Uh, well, here, let's just back up a verse to verse 23. Then the man said, so who's speaking in verse 23? Then the man said, and we're going to see, who's speaking? Or who's writing? Whose perspective? Moses, the author, the narrator, right? The narrator is narrating in verse 23, right? Moses. Then the man said, so Moses is speaking, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So then Adam says something. Now some people, you could argue, well, is verse 24 included with Adam's speech or is this Moses saying something? Either way, you either got Adam or Moses saying something. Verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So you've got Moses or Adam, depending on whether you include it in the quote or not, um, speaking this. But what does Jesus say is speaking it? The creator saying it because he's saying it through the recorded scriptures. And you can observe the same sort of thing multiple times through the scriptures that um, the authors of scripture, the people who are speaking, they'll quote something else and they'll say, well, scripture says, or they'll say God says, uh, when you go back there and it's like, well, wait a minute, actually it was Moses or it was, you know, some other prophet or whoever the writer was. So there's no, there's no gap in Jesus's mind or um, other writers of scripture's mind. There's no gap between uh, what the human is saying in scripture and what God is saying in scripture. Uh, they're one in the same. They're one in the same. Yeah, Lori. Uh, not right now, because actually that's gonna, gonna uh, we'll, we'll get into that, but it'll probably be uh, next week. But mainly what we want to just observe is that any scripture that we're thinking of, a human produced it, a human wrote, uh, and they, they, they did real writing, they did real thinking. It's not like they went into a trance and just started scribbling, right? They did real writing, real thinking. There was a real intention. Like with Moses, let's just say Moses in, in Genesis 2.24, and yet later authors are happy to say, well, that's scripture, so it's God-breathed, so... Um, God says it, and the human says it. Both are true. Both are true at the same time. Um, you can see this even in, like, uh, Jeremiah 1. So just go back to um, again, we're trying to think about the production process. What does this look like? You get some of a glimpse of it in um, Jeremiah 1, and a lot of the prophets introduce themselves this way, but we get maybe even a little bit more of a glimpse of it in Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah 1.1, 1, 1. the words of Jeremiah. Okay, so who's writing? Jeremiah is. They're Jeremiah's words. That's what he says. The son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of Yahweh came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. So who's, whose word is it? God's word, right? One at the same time, right? And then we can even read on in how God commissions Jeremiah, and he says, I'm going to touch your mouth, and I'm going to put my words in your mouth, because that's what prophecy is. God's saying, I'm going to put my words in your mouth, and what you speak is what I'm going to speak. Um, and so it's equally a human word and God's word at the same time. And then, um, you know, it looks different. So we got Jeremiah, uh, and the Holy Spirit's working in him to produce, uh, you know, to, to produce 
speaking prophecy and then written prophecy, but it can look pretty ordinary. Turn to Luke 1. So if Luke is scripture, and it is scripture, um, it's God-breathed, so the Holy Spirit moved in Luke to write the scriptures, but then notice how Luke introduces his book, Luke 1, 1 through 4. Someone read Luke 1, 1 through 4. Okay, so from that, how did Luke compile this? What are some of the things he did? He investigated things, right? Um, and he investigated eyewitnesses. He probably, it seems like, he had access to other written documents of, uh, of a narrative of Jesus' life. Seems like that's indicated from, from there. So he's got maybe some manuscripts he goes and investigates some eyewitnesses. That kind of sounds like, um, what do you call Yeah, it's secondhand, investigative reporting or something like that, we would kind of call that today, right? And yet, it's scripture. Uh, in fact, in 1 Timothy 5, um, Paul quotes something that's only, the only other place you see it is in Luke, and he quotes Jesus as saying it, and he effectively affirms, Paul effectively affirms Luke, the gospel of Luke, as a scripture. Um, so even though it's kind of secondhand or it feels that way, uh, that's the human element in all of this, but God has so superintended that process. The process looked different with, like, say, someone like Jeremiah um, versus Luke versus John in Revelation, right? The process, the human process looks different, but Second Peter 1 says that God so superintended that process that the final product doesn't matter whether you're talking about Luke, Jeremiah, John the Apostle. It's Scripture. It's God-breathed. Um, so what we are saying in this is that um, it's both God's Word and it's a human word. And God uses the various backgrounds, styles, etc. of the human authors to say what he wanted to say for the audience he wanted to communicate with. So uh, God uses the backgrounds, the education level, the styles, um, all of that stuff. It's very different on a human level, but um, God is happy to use all of those means and superintend that process such that the final result, God says, Scripture. Whether you're talking about a psalm, whether you're talking about Jeremiah, whether you're talking about Luke, whether you're talking about Revelation, it's Scripture. It doesn't really matter. The, the human, God used the backgrounds of the people to produce it. Um, so we've got both the human and the divine side of the production process. Eden, did you have your hand up? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes. Yeah, they're not going into a trance and just doing this, right? Like, that's not how Scripture was produced. It's, it's very human activity, and yet in such a way that God is moving through the Spirit to produce the Scriptures such that it, God is happy to say, this is God-breathed. It's just as if I was there speaking. Um, one, one other thing that, um, like, if you look in John, six, uh, John 14 and John 16, when Jesus is talking to the apostles like, I've got many things to say to you. You can't bear it right now, but I'm going to bring these things to your remembrance, right? So even in the aspect of producing the Gospels, that um, the, their memories, apparently, the Spirit uh, um, brought to their remembrance the Scriptures and what happened, or what happened with, with them and Jesus such that they could produce the Gospels, right? So remembering is a very human thing, and yet, or sometimes it feels like I can't remember, right? Um, but 
but it's a very human sort of a thing, but such, in such a way that God superintended that such that the final product of what gets written is called Scripture. Now, um, again, what's our aim in talking about this production process? We want to think about implications for reading Scripture and grasping its meaning. When I am reading the Scriptures, even from our discussion today, what am I looking for? To, un, uh, to understand the scriptures, what, and I'm reading the scriptures, what am, I, what am I doing? Because it's both a divine and a human thing. Yeah, Mike. Oh, what do you mean? Sure. So, okay, yeah, so that's an aspect. We can see the purposes in what someone wrote, and some of that is verification and the increasing of our faith as those who have entrusted themselves to Christ. But when we think about how do I read well, like what am I supposed to do? When I crack my Bible and I read it, what am I looking for? Yeah, Susan. Yeah. Okay, good. So we start, with, we think about the divine author, right? And what is my goal? My goal is what did, what did God intend to say? What did God intend to say, right? to the original audience, because he's communicating to that original audience. What did he intend to say? Now, how do I know what God intended to say to the original audience? Yes, meaning I'm not, at that point, I'm shifting gears. So there's the background aspect, right, of that. And I'm shifting gears, and I'm saying, well, if I want to know what God wanted to say to the original audience, then I need to look at what the human intended to say to his original audience. You see that? Because it's both divine and human, and God's worked through human authors to write scripture, it's not a mysterious, in a sense, now we know that we need God's aid in this, and we need the illumination and the power of the Holy Spirit to read rightly, so I'm not denying that at all. But in a sense, what we do when we crack the scriptures is very human. Because if I want to understand what God is saying to me, it's not mysterious, because he didn't make it mysterious. He said, well, let me write through Luke, or let me write through John, or let me write through Jeremiah, and let me speak through them, and they're going to have an intention as they write, and their intention is going to be my intention. And so when I come to the scriptures, and I'm cracking the scriptures, I'm not looking for anything mysterious. I'm just trying to understand, what did Matthew say? Why did he say it? What did John say? Why did he say it? Why did Jeremiah say it? Why did he say it? Because once I uncover the human author's intent, that is God's intent in writing scripture. There's no gap between the two. There's no gap between the two. Okay? Does that make sense as far as a foundation of how we, why and how we read the scriptures? Now, we need help in that. We need help um, in the power of the Holy Spirit to interpret rightly, because we're fallible people. But uh, what am I looking for? Human author's intent, because that's also God's intent. There's no gap between those two because of how Scripture was produced. It is both, uh, uh, both God working and humans working uh, in such a way that what's produced is God's Word. Okay? That's why we wanted to, to visit production. Questions? Yes, Ken. Uh, no, so like at the basic level, prophecy is just um, someone speaking for God. So it doesn't, doesn't have to be future-oriented. Someone, so, some, someone speaking on behalf of God. That's the basic level of prophecy, so it's not necessarily future-oriented. How can you speak on the basic hmm? Well, um, but we know there are, there are examples of prophets who spoke orally, but it didn't get recorded. So once, it get, once prophecy gets recorded, it's scripture, right? Um, but uh, if you're just talking about speaking on behalf of God, like uh, scripture is a subset of prophecy. Like there's more prophecy that happened that didn't get recorded, and then we have the scriptures that are recorded for uh, what is needed for the time, so... 
And you bring up another issue, though, right? Um, there, even in First Peter one, it, uh, Peter says uh, the prophets didn't understand, or they they, they were looking forward to um, uh, what, what the Spirit of Christ in in them was indicating when he was predicting the sufferings of Christ in the subsequent glories. Uh, what didn't they understand? It's not that they didn't understand what they wrote; it's that they didn't understand how it was all going to work out, right? Which is different, right? So that doesn't say that they don't understand what they wrote. They understood what they wrote, but they're like, uh, how's that all going to work out? I don't know. God says to write this. Uh, this is the intention, right? But how is it all going to work out um, in the future? They don't have that information. They knew there was going to be a Messiah. They didn't know his name was going to be Jesus, that sort of a thing. Uh, that's what we're talking about. So. All right, uh, if you guys have more questions, we can talk in between. Let's go ahead and pray as we prepare for time in the Word and um, in the gathering. Father, we thank you for the scriptures. Um, we do know that uh, we are thankful that you have produced them, that you have spoken them, and that you used human agency to do so, um, such that we can understand what you intended through what the scriptures are saying, um, based on how you put it together. Um, Lord, it is... Um, it is powerful. We know we need your, your ability, your help, your aid um, in understanding these things. Um, we pray for your grace, Holy Spirit, to, to enliven our minds to understand the scriptures. Um, even as we come together for the gathering this morning of singing uh, your word and preaching your word and talking about your word, we're trying to understand your word. We're trying to understand the human author's intent, which means we're trying to understand your intent so that we can live in line with the authority of the written word. So please help us to do that this morning. Bless our time and uh, help us to answer those who doubt the scriptures, who doubt that they're legitimate, who doubt that they're real. Lord, help us to be able to, never surrendering the, the reality that they are from you, to speak of them and to um, declare uh, what they are. Um, and to uh, even give the evidences that you have left for us in history and et cetera to be able to, to speak with those around us. Lord, uh, just pray for that and uh, pray for the rest of our morning. We ask these things in your name. Amen.